0815-2011-11. For enquiries, it's time to scale up this July with MTN. MTN. Hello, this is the Midday News. The news is live on Joy 99.7 in Accra, Love 99.5 in Kumasi, affiliates across Ghana's 16 regions, including Jubilee Radio Keta, Sun City Radio Keta, Saboba FM Saboba, and A1 Radio Bolgatanga. We are live on Twitter Spaces, Facebook live stream, and the MyJoy Online Interactive app. The Midday News is sponsored by Duraplast Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC pipes and water tank, where Duraplast goes, water flows. Coming up, global financial giant World Bank warns of interruption to power supply in Ghana if government fails to urgently fix financial challenges in the energy sector. And it will cost the state more to keep uh, the energy sector running at a time when they need to spend money on other things. Energy sector needs is really an urgent uh, emergency energy action plan uh, that corrects the situation. We have details as it calls for the protection of the vulnerable in society of, as government implements the upward tariff adjustments as part of the IMF program. The second thing is the World Bank is advising on social protection to make sure that as you've increased the tariff, which needed to be increased, those that are vulnerable get coverage. Otherwise, it's not sustainable to increase the tariff. Also in this package, minority demands refund of $2 million invested in the botched SkyTrain project. And which normal decision maker pays out two million dollars for a feasibility study before you determine whether the project is bankable? These things only happen when it's an organized crime, when people are careless, clueless, and reckless about public expenditure. Details as they liken the transaction to an organized crime meant to loot from the state. Also, national security intensifies surveillance at the country's border with Burkina Faso as some alleged refugees dressed as nursing mothers are arrested with weapons and ammunition. I have seen pictures of women carrying babies and as part of their luggages, you'd be surprised. Ammunitions. And then you have um, guns and other things, you know, hidden in certain part of cattle and all that. Meanwhile, the Ghana Refugees Board begins moving 3,200 Burkina Bay asylum seekers to a designated reception center for thorough screening. So we're not just asking them, we're transporting them to the reception center. And it also enables us, enables us to account for them. And in sports. Black Stars would have been better under former coach Otoado. Team manager Aminu Shadow claims. We have the details later. And later was Ghana's first president, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, a dictator. We yes. have contrasting views from two of Nkrumah's children, Samia and Siku. You know, so are we saying that today, when the, any government of the day pushes through things which the opposition vehemently opposes, opposition. that there they are... no opposition then. But so there the was an opposition. There were but different they parties. They had, no, they had no room there to operate. There was operate. a referendum. They were, everything I, I, was I, I don't agree with you, but I guess people differ, even no. siblings. But, yeah, yeah. So. You want to stay for details of that? Thanks for choosing us. This is Joy News, independent, fearless and credible. I'm Bernice Abubeidulansa. The details in a moment.
Thanks for your company. The details now. Global financial institution World Bank is warning of interruption to power supply in Ghana if government fails to fix financial challenges in the energy sector. Of major concern is revenue collection and effective allocation, which threatens stability of this important sector. The IMF has equally raised similar concerns with government expected to implement reforms as part of the economic recovery program. Managing Director of Operations at the World Bank, Anna Burgett, has been speaking at a news conference. Uh, they will actually continue to get worse and worse and worse. Losses, once they get up to the levels that Ghana has, both financial losses and losses in the network itself, uh, if not uh, arrested and addressed with really an emergency action plan, will get worse and it will cost the state more to keep uh, the energy sector running at a time when they need to spend money on other things and it wastes because this energy that's lost actually should be energy that is consumed and properly paid for and so forth so uh, what uh, what the energy sector needs is really an urgent uh, emergency energy action plan uh, that corrects the situation and i and that is now very much what the government is working on and we're supporting this but uh, as uh, as we've been discussing over these last few days the billing and collection needs to be on the basis of proper metering so that you know where the problems are if you're providing electricity billing for it and not collecting for it you know where the problems are then you can go and try to uh, collect the revenue that you need or even as needed if there are customers that just refuse to pay you might also have to disconnect customers but you need metering you need billing and you need collection that functions really really well because these are your basic parameters to be able to actually bill and collect properly the managing director of operations at the world bank has also pointed out that there are challenges with how revenue collected is distributed along players in the value chain and what we also discussed is most of the cost in an energy sector is not on the front end of the distribution company, it's in the generation side. So the money now needs to flow from when you've collected it back up to the generation of electricity. And if it doesn't, those generators will not be able to keep producing electricity. And then you will end up with interruption on supply. And then you will really have an economic problem because the economic growth will be impacted, not to mention the impact on the welfare of the Ghana population, whether it is in, in schools or in health clinics or in people's homes. So this needs an urgent attention. I, I can only say it needs an urgent attention. And you really need to work across the spectrum of energy, the Ministry of Finance, the uh, social protection, to be able to put this very comprehensive package of, uh, of uh, urgent, emergency, urgency measures in place. And you need to invest in this billing and collection and metering systems to be able to get it done quickly. So it's not rocket science. It's difficult. It requires a lot of attention day to day to get it done. It can be done. If it's left unattended to, the situation will be worse and it will cost the state more and there will be energy disruptions, as we see in some other countries, which then makes the economic growth rate really collapse and it has huge hardship on the population. Anna Biadi also explains the World Bank is providing technical assistance to enable Ghana deal with a challenge. The nation has also been advised to protect the vulnerable while adjusting tariffs. 
World Bank is providing, first of all, a technical advice on what needs to be done. So the metering, the billing, the collection, the making sure that you have a, a, an account set up from which all the different flows of the, uh, the revenue that's collected flows to where it needs to go so that those that are generating the electricity are paid. That needs to start. The second thing is the World Bank is advising on social protection to make sure that as you've increased the tariff, which needed to be increased, those that are vulnerable get coverage. Otherwise, it's not sustainable to increase the tariff. You have uh, Anna Biagi. She is Managing Director of Operations at the World Bank. Let's now bring in Charles Jean Fiofori. He's Policy Lead on Climate Change and Energy Transition at the African Center for Energy Policy, ASAP. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time. Now, your outfit has, in a recent report, raised concerns about revenue collection and allocation with focus on the ECG. Tell us how you've analyzed the situation, but tell us how dire it is and what we can do moving forward. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I think that um, the World Bank is, is spot on on, on on these issues that we are raising. Um, the poor sector is a very important aspect of our economy and it drives a lot of productivity. And given the status in, we need to have urgent you know, measures like to really ensure that the sector is sustainable. Um, when it comes to revenue distribution, the ESRP, that's the Energy Sector Recovery Program, brought out a cash waterfall mechanism to ensure that there's fairness and equity in, re- um, in revenue distribution among the sectors or the various entities along the power value chain. But when you look at, um, for example, the March and April invoices that were raised, you see a lot of discrepancies in terms of the distribution. So. Um, a, a generation company, for instance, the generation um, entities got just about 5.5% of their invoices that they raised, whereas for fuel, they got about 3.1% of their invoices. Transmission got just about 12.4%. And the distribution company actually got 78.4% of the revenues of the invoices that it was raised. So you could see across board that when it comes to the distribution of revenues across the power sector value chain, right. the distribution favored itself to, to give itself about 78% of its revenue requirements while leaving other entities like the transmission, like the generation, like the fuel entities to just giving less than 10% of their revenue requirements. And mm. as you know, mentioned in the interview with the World Bank um, director, you, you, you realize that Money needs to flow up the value chain. Right. Mr. Fowey, there's another thing, though. Um, When it comes to the issue of tariff adjustment and the measures being implemented under the IMF program, we're told that this is supposed to help in revenue collection and generation. But you hold the view that it has not really worked according to plan. What have you observed to be the challenge? Yeah, I mean, revenue adjustments will always be there to ensure that, you know, um, things are smoothing along the value chain. But when the revenue is not collected fully, when there are significant collection losses, when there are significant technical and commercial losses, and then when the distribution is not done equitably, then you have a lot of entities along the value chain suffering at the expense of the distribution sector. So we need to have a holistic assessment of the power sector. We need to have a lot of transparency within power distribution to ensure that the right metering systems are done and to ensure that revenues also go through and to for, for the other sectors of the value chain so that they can also get enough money to 
concept to to to, to carry out with their operations. But well, th- thanks for your time this afternoon. And that's Charles James Fiofori. He's policy lead on climate change and energy transition at the African Centre for Energy Policy. Well, away from that story, the minority in the Parliament is demanding a refund of some two million dollars paid in 2019 as premium to acquire ordinary shares for the development of the Accra Skytrain project. The Auditor General in his 2021 report described the transaction as a net liability. Speaking to journalists in Parliament, Minority Chief Whip and Ranking Member on the Roads and Transport Committee, Governs Kwame Abuja, demanded the amount be paid back. And before the company actually even starts to do feasibility study, someone in government have decided to pay $2 million to this, gov- uh, this uh, entity. If government was not the one funding the SkyTrain, what was the one, uh, two, billion, uh, $2 million meant for? But the important question is this. When you have a situation where the minister then says in 2023 now that he always believed that before the project takes off, there should be a cabinet approval, there should be a parliamentary approval, PPA approval. Since none of these things were approved, in fact, the Auditor General report suggested that the company did not even have the, the necessary license to operate the system they wanted to operate. So the question is, what was the reason for government to act in the way to give out $2 million? Who actually took the decision to pay this entity in Mauritius? That's Minority Chief Whip and Ranking Member on the Roads and Transport Committee in Parliament, Governs Kwame Akbuja. Let's now head to Parliament. Our correspondent, Kweku Asante, has joined us with further details. Kweku, the minority also alleges that this is organized crime. Does the group provide any evidence to buttress that point? Oh, too bad. We lost Kweku there. We'll try and reach him uh, on this particular issue on the minority demanding that government repays or some monies that were given for the Sky Train project in Accra be paid back to government. Now, moving on, the national security is intensifying surveillance at the country's border with Burkina Faso following the arrest of some alleged refugees dressed as nurses and mothers. But a thorough search found weapons and ammunition on them. It's unclear their real intentions in Ghana, but Deputy Defence Minister Kukwa Mankwamenu says the development has pushed security agencies to tighten the search on asylum seekers. Speaking on the probe on Joe News, Mr. Menu said government will not sacrifice the safety of Ghanaians for the rights of asylum seekers in its quest to safeguard our borders. We are not targeting anybody. We, we have Fulanese who are Ghanaians. We've lived with Fulanese in Ghana. Only God knows how long. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it would be absurd if, if we now go out there to target them. It doesn't make sense. We have a complex issue on our hand. And so we need to screen whoever is coming in. If you are coming in and then you genuinely deserve assistance, we, based on the 1951 Refugee Convention, we will do what is expected of us. Mm-hmm. But when you don't, then we also, because all the operations the national security military is doing in, in collaboration with the various 
uh, reset mm -hmm. is based on intelligence. And so as and when we, we pick intelligence, we deal with the issues. In instances where I have seen pictures of women carrying babies, less than some less than a year, and as part of their luggages, you'd be surprised. Ammunition, mm. carrying ammunition, and then you have um, guns and other things, you know, hidden in certain part of cattle and all that. Mm. By, you know, mm. man, husband, yes. Okay. So we really need to be on the lookout. We have the Ghanaian people to protect. We have properties to protect. Mm. We cannot say that because we want to be compassionate, we will not look at the security of our nation. That's Deputy Defence Minister Kwekwa Mankwaminu speaking to MFA Apawu on the probe, while Ranking Member on the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament, James Agalga, says government has every right to screen the asylum seekers, but must also be mindful of international treaties that protect their rights. Government clearly has a commitment not to, as it were, repatriate refugees who are properly speaking, refugees to uh, countries where they may face very serious threats to their lives and uh, fundamental freedoms. Having said that, it does not mean that the government cannot screen refugees who enter our country. So that those who come in and seek asylum in our country because of the crisis in the neighboring countries, are genuine refugees. That's ranking member on the Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament. Well, so far, the Ghana Refugees Board has registered 3,200 Burkina Bays seeking asylum in Ghana. Executive Secretary of the Board, Tete Kwaopadi, says they're in the process of undertaking compulsory movement of all the refugees to a designated reception center for thorough screening. So far, we have registered um, about just about 3,200 Bokinabis who have indicated their intention to seek asylum here. Uh, we are still in the process of registering uh, more people who are coming in. Uh, what I can confidently say is that none of the Bokinabis that we have registered uh, has been sent back. Um, okay. Neither have any of those that we know uh, intend to seek asylum. Those who declared their intention at the borders as they entered. Uh, even though they haven't been registered yet, none of those people have been, have been, have been sent back. That's Executive Secretary of the Ghana Refugee Board, Tete Kwao Padi. Let's move on to health now. And a recent WHO report on the Africa region has revealed, though there's been a decrease in the number of COVID-19 reported cases, deaths have increased. Globally, however, the same July 13 report indicated a decline in both reported cases and deaths. What's accounting for the increase in deaths on the continent? And what more is contained in that report? Head of our health desk, Fred Smith joins me in the studio with details. Fred, first, what's the global situation as of today? Well, according to the WHO 13th of July report, there were 767 million confirmed cases and over 6.9 million deaths globally. The report, however, adds Bennett, that reported cases had not accurate representation of infection rates, and this is due to the reduction in testing and reporting globally. Well, Fred, tell us more about the peculiar situation in Africa. 
Well, from June 12 to July 9, the Africa region reported over 4,900 new cases, a 31% decrease as compared to the previous 28-day period. But 20 new deaths were reported over the same period, so it increased the death percentage to 43. The highest number of new deaths were reported from Zimbabwe, Zambia and Kenya. Mm, and, and did we have Ghana specifically mentioned in that report? No. All right. But are we told what the reason or causes of the increase of deaths in Africa is? No, it didn't, but it offered some recommendations. The WHO is urging countries to revise the classifications of variants when need be to reflect the continuous evolution of circulating variants and their changing epidemiology. It also strongly encourages countries to investigate and report newly emerging variants and their impact. That's head of our health desk, Fred Smith. There, you're listening to the midday news here on Joy 99.7 FM with me, Bernice Abubeidulans. So just gone by, global financial giant, the World Bank, warns of interruption to power supply in Ghana if government fails to urgently fix financial challenges facing the energy sector. And much later was Ghana's first president, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, a dictator. We have contrasting views from two of Nkrumah's children, Samia and Seku. You know, so are we saying that today, when the, any government of the day pushes through things which the opposition vehemently opposes, that they are... no opposition then. But so there was the an opposition. There were but different they parties. They had, no, we, they had no room there to There was a referendum. There were, everything I, I, was I, I don't agree with you, but I guess people differ, even uh, siblings, but, yeah. yeah. So. Well, just before we go on a breather to bring you sports, we've been joined by Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumar Bwaji. Grateful to have you here this afternoon, sir. Uh, my colleague, head of our health desk, just painted a picture of what a recent WHO report says about the situation in Africa. Um, but let's narrow it down to Ghana. Since April, we haven't seen any new data on our COVID cases. What's the reason for that? Yeah, thank you very much. Um we have relatively very low numbers. And the whole of that, there was no reporting. Um, I will get the IT people to reinstate. Uh, we're not doing daily, we're doing weekly. So we ask them to reinstate the weekly update because on their days, we don't have any case. Like the whole of last week, there was no case. But we even do the reporting on the reserve. So we are working to restore the weekly uh, reporting on COVID. And before we let you go, Doc, we understand that the Ghana Health Service has started again a national COVID-19 vaccination program. Tell us more about that. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, we so far have about 52% of the expected people to be covered fully vaccinated. And about 72% plus uh, have a single dose. So we still have not reached the figure that we, the proportion that we want to cover people. Should there be an outbreak or any concern? That is why we continue doing that. We continue to do the daily vaccination, but we are also pumped up with the campaign just to be able to catch up quickly before any um, situation happens that affects the people who may not be protected. Grateful for your time this afternoon. That's Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumar Bwaje, on the Midday News here on Joy 99.7 Affirm. The Midday News is sponsored by Duraplus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC pipes and water tank, where Duraplus goes, water flows. We've got sports news for you right after this. Do stay. Imagine, say, water wake up at dawn. In no both, in no chop. 
where it vanished for your area for two weeks. Uh-huh. You not get one drop safe inside your tank. Hey. Hadia, our life was in dangerous. Only our neighbor gets water with water tank. Water tank? Yes, water tank. Mamma mia. That water tank gets meter for checking water level. That water tank be fine past Kumasi Selidio. <laughs> that water tank be tough like Ghana Army. That water tank, they carry water, pepe, pepe. So say some logo left inside the supply tank. Mm. What a tank. That's my boss, Mr. Foncho Gotor. <laughs> Beautiful, durable, with water level indicator and accurate volume of water. Water tank. What a tank. By Duraplast. Thanks for staying here on the Midday News. And Mubarak is here with the latest from the world of sports. Yeah, Benny, so it's former, uh, it's actually the current Black Stars team manager, Aminu Shadow, who believes the team would have been better if Otoado had continued as head coach. Ado left the role after Ghana failed to progress from the group stage of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Chris Hutin was announced as his replacement, but recent performances against Angola and Madagascar has not impressed many. Shadow says there would have been an improvement if Otoado had stayed. I've always said, and I've made this very public, I, mm-hmm. I, believe, I believe that we would have been better off with Otoado continuing because he made mistakes at the World Cup. He has never been at that level before. He is somebody who learns on, who, 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 who takes lessons out of failures. And I believe would have been better placed to make right decisions now, but that is gone. Yeah. Elsewhere, Black Stars midfielder Thomas Partey is not part of Arsenal's traveling squad to the USA for preseason. The Ghana deputy captain's absence is because he lacks full fitness, but the 30-year-old is expected to join the team later this week as they step up preparations for the start of the 2023-2024 season. And quickly before I go, Manchester United are on the brink of completing the signing of Inter Milan goalkeeper Andre Onana for almost £50 million. Edward Castle to your name, <laughs> Now, residents of Ayopia in the Bongo district of the Upper East Region, where President Ekofado first cut sword for the One Village One Dam project, say the dam, the dam dried up shortly after Christmas. They still value the project and are requesting government to bring contractors back to site to do a better job. Earth dams built to aid dry season farming are incapable of retaining enough water and dry up by January each year. Jojo Kopna brings you excerpts of our latest hotline documentary, Thirsty Dams. With despair in her eyes, Atenga Arongo stares at a dry, shallow dam and contemplates how it would have made her life simple. She counted her eggs long before they hatched. She thought access to water would ensure a boom in her farming business. Her joy has been cut short and she wants government as a matter of urgency to find a solution to the thirsty dry dam. When the president came, he said he will construct a dam for us. We were excited. He said the water will help us cultivate vegetables during the dry season. Unfortunately, we are unable to farm during the dry season because the dam dries up. There's no water. After Christmas, the dam dries up completely. 
Solomon represents the youth here. He had vowed not to travel to southern Ghana for odd jobs. But staying in Bongo without a job is giving him ideas of leaving home. In his estimation, the dams were not properly constructed. The spillways close to the reservoir, so the water washes away quickly after the rains. When the rain comes at once, the, the water, the speedway is speeding for us. So the water cannot relax for a meantime. So we expect it when government came back tomorrow and so that you expand this place for us so that we can still make our dry crops so that we can get what we can eat for us. He is backed by another peasant farmer. The embankment is separated from the reservoir that is created to contain the water. And the size of the reservoir too is very small where the spillways have also been kept is very close to the reservoir so little water in the reservoir which is already small when the reservoir is full the rest of the water spills out you heard excerpts of our latest hotline documentary produced by features editor jojo Kobner. the first part airs on television at 8 30 p.m later tonight to make a date and before i go he's loved by many for his role in ghana's independent struggle setting the country on an industrialization path and championing the pan-african agenda there are those who however see him as a dictator and question what dr kwame nkrumah's legacy really is the debate is not exclusive to academics and other members of society. Two of his children, Samia and Sequin Krumah, also disagree on what their father exactly stood for and what his legacy must be. Nkrumah introduced a one-party state. Right. Nkrumah became life president. These are facts. It's not what you read. And I'm saying that that is dictatorial, but I'm saying it's because of his ideas of that socialist path for our development, not only for Ghana, but Africa. So, so was we, it because we, for him it was a path to development? Yes, he was a Marxist intellectual and he was he chose the socialist path. We can't redefining Krumah's right. That's what I'm saying, but so it's it was dictatorial. But it doesn't mean that it's wrong because that was his philosophy and people have their philosophy. As today we have a multi-party system. That's the Western inherited from the Western system. And Krumah was against that. He didn't believe. He developed a point where he realized socialism is the past. So what I'm saying for us to understand his democracy. greatness. That's why everything was pushed through parliament not today. Western democracy. No, but even kind of democracy. every legislation, everything he he promoted was 